0: Well, before i even begin, uh it's a tough time i I don't remember a time our nation's gone through like this since the gulf war and we've already had prayer and uh, i just want to say to all who are watching online right now by television wherever you might be i've been to ukraine several times they're wonderful people saw some of the greatest move of god i've ever seen in my ministry in the ukraine i've been to kiev kiev and uh it's just a tragedy what's going on over there so our prayers and thoughts are with the Ukrainian people, and uh, we do need to pray for the president and his advisors that God would give uh, him the wisdom to know how to lead us through this difficult time, and I know you'll be doing that. So I want to do something. I want you, everybody to stand up real quick. Would you do that? Everybody stand up. Now, I'm doing it for a reason. Some of you guys would have been at 345, so you cannot, if you can sleep standing up, unbelievable, okay? Now... Um, I'm not going to be watching too hard, but if I see one person go to sleep, I'm going to call on you to pray. I'm just warning you on that right now. But we got a great group of kids. I'm telling you, these students are just unbelievable. And I just want you to let them know how much we love them, how much we appreciate them. These guys are awesome. Okay, you can be seated. Now, here's what I want you to do. By the way, does God have a sense of humor? I wake up this morning and I go, You would have it pour down rain on Baptism Sunday. Unbelievable. Why can't we be a Methodist church one day a year, right? So, all of that said, I want everybody to pull out this card. Everybody. Everybody pull out this card. As I begin, I want to say a word to these students. I pray that God did a great work this weekend in your life and in your heart. I pray that out of this weekend, maybe God calls, will call some of you into the greatest work in the world, which is doing what we do, ministry. There's not a greater work in the world than being full-time Christian ministry. We all are in a sense, but there's just not a greater. And I pray that there were some of you that came into this weekend and you didn't know Jesus. And I know this happened because I was told this this, this morning. Some of you now know Jesus. That's a wonderful, wonderful, blessed thing. We, yeah, amen. We praise God for all of that. But if you simply let what happened to you this weekend sit here and never leave this building, you have wasted your time. And there are some of us, to be honest, adults, that's what we do. We come in here on Sunday morning, and we do our thing, and we leave it here, we go back out, and nobody out there knows there's anything different about us till we come back the next week. So I want to be very, very clear. This is what separates the men from the boys as Christians. This is where the rubber hits the road for every one of us who claim to know Jesus, every one of us. Every one of you who claims to be a believer in Christ, you are one of two types of believer. You are a can-do believer or you're a can't-do believer. Here's what I mean by that. I'm gonna take you through the simplest presentation of the gospel you will ever hear in your life. And what I'm going to do is the way I do it. I'm not putting on a show. I don't do this on Sunday, but do something else or do nothing on Monday. I could give you example after example after example this week of giving these little tracks out and sharing these tracks with people. Not going to do that. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pretend that every one of you are an unbeliever, or I don't know whether you're a believer or not. It may be that you're my next-door neighbor. It may be I met you on an airplane. It may be I play football with you. It may be I play basketball. It may be on the, you're the cheerleading team. It may be you're just the kid that hangs out. We, we're just best buddies that hangs out. We're high school buds. I don't care. But one of the big questions that people ask about sharing your gospel is, well, how do you get into it? How do you get started? Well, depending on what kind of relationship I had with you, I'm going to pretend, let's just pretend for, for discussion sake, we've known each other for a good while. Maybe you're an old high school classmate. We, we, we kind of reconnected. Or maybe we've never been disconnected. We just always kind of hung out. But we've never ever discussed anything about Christ. Here's what I do. I might say something like this. I might say, D, you know, we used to hang out in high school together. And, uh, you know, in fact, you dated my best friend and married my best friend. And I've, you know, known him for a long time. We've been together. But, you know, D, I've, I've thought about something. And I want to ask you a question. Do you mind talking about spiritual things. Let's ask a question. Do you mind talking about spiritual things? You, now, let's just say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Do you mind talking about spiritual things? So, don't say you can't ask that. You can ask the question. And I've never had anybody offended. Nobody's going to get mad. Nobody's going to say, get out of my face. Nobody's going to, you know, throw you a, a pie at you or, you know, kick you out. They're going to they're say one of two things, yes or no. D says, yeah, not really, that, that's personal, that's private. Okay, that's fine. I'm done. God's not moving. But D says, no, I don't mind talking about spiritual things, all right? So I've already told you not only one way, maybe the best way to get a conversation started. You can do it at any point in a relationship. If you've never met anybody, you can say, hey, my, my name is James, and uh, just wanted, if you don't mind, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you mind talking about spiritual things? All you're trying to do is figure out, uh, is God moving or not? If they say yes, you're you're done. If they say no, I don't mind, then you're off to the races, all right? So, now I could go into a lot of small talk and all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna skip that because we don't have time. Once you say yes, I'm gonna ask you a question. Can I share with you the best news I've ever heard in my life? All right? One, two, three. Can I share with you the best news I've ever heard? in my life. Now let me just stop right there. Don't even try to tell me you can't do what I just did. Yes, you can. If you can say, hey, how's the weather today? You can ask those questions. If you can say, hey, did you know that my Georgia Bulldogs are the national champions of college football? Did you know that? Well, if you can ask that, you can ask this. So here's the two questions. All you got to remember Do you mind talking about spiritual things? How many of you know now you can do that? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, you can do that. All right, can I share with you the best news I've ever heard in my life? How many of you know now you can do that? Okay, yes, you can. So, we're starting. Well, before I share with you the best news, i got to share the bad news. And I'm doing this, right? Everybody looks at their card. Here's the bad news. We have all sinned, and we're separated from God. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. See, there's something I do about you, Dee, and I've known it for a long time, and I didn't, don't mean to be offensive, but you're a sweet lady. You're a good person. You made straight A's. You were the teacher's pet, you know, all that kind of stuff. God bless you, and I, I just appreciate so much the example you set for being a good person. But Dee, you're not perfect. You're a sinner. And the problem with that is we're not just all sinners, Sin separates us from God. You know why? Because God's perfect and we're not. So there's the wall. There's this barrier. There's this ocean between us, and it's called sin. So D, the bad news is we're sinners separated from God. Do, do you understand that? Yeah, you understand that. Oh, thanks for playing. She didn't know I was gonna do this to her today, okay? But I know her. I can pick on her, okay? So she says yes, okay. And then D might say, well, well, what's the best news? Well, D, I can't get there yet, because. I got worse news. And they'll always say this. You mean it gets worse? Oh, it gets worse. Well, what's the worst news? Worst news. On our own, there's nothing we can do to remove our sin. For by grace are you saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. D, not only are we sinners separated from God. Here's the bad news, D, the worst news. There's nothing you can do to take care of your sin problem. Now, you know, I know what you're thinking right now. You know what? I need to start going to church. Well, that will just make you a religious sinner. I know it's Baptism Sunday. I need to get baptized. That just makes you a wet sinner. I know I don't tithe. I don't give money. You want me to start giving money to your church. That just makes you a generous sinner. I know I need to start going out and serving poor people. That just makes you a better sinner. At the end of the day, D, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Not religion. Not baptism. There's nothing you can do to take care of your problem. D, do you understand that? So you understand the bad news, you're a sinner. You understand the bad news, you're separated from God. You understand the worst news, there's nothing you can do to take care of your problem. Now, D, here's the good news. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He died on a cross, shed his blood to pay for our sins, and rose from the dead three days later. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. See, D, here's how it works. You know, we have a saying, you do the crime, you got to pay the time. Well, sin has to be punished. God's holy. You can't just say, well, you know, boys will be boys. Let bygones by- 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 be bygones." God has to punish sin because he's holy. So here's what God did. D, God loves you so much. He sent Jesus to do for you what you couldn't do for you. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was just like you. He was a human being. He ate, he drank, he slept, he went to bed, he got up. You cut him, he bled, you crucified him, he died. He was a human being just like you and me. Except one difference. He was perfect. So guess what? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know what God could do? God could take all of your sins. All of my sins, he could take all the sins of all the students in this room right here, and all the students in the world forever. He took the sins of the whole world and he put them on Jesus because Jesus didn't owe anybody anything, and so he paid for all of our sins. And to prove that God cashed the check, he raised Jesus from the dead. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? D. So, do you understand the bad news? You're a sinner separated from God. Do you understand the worst news? There's nothing you can do to take care of your problem. Do you understand the good news? Jesus did for you what you cannot do for yourself. You got it? All right, Do you ready for the best news? Here's the best news. Eternal life and forgiveness of sin is a free gift. All we have to do is accept it. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, at this point, what I always do is I'll tell a little story at the end, and I won't go into detail, but I'll tell the story of how I got to go to the Super Bowl in 2008 absolutely free. Got a free ticket to the Super Bowl because there's, there's a quarterback named David Green, played at UGA, so you know who he is. I led David Green to Christ on the 18th hole at Bears Vest the summer after he graduated. Three years later, he's third team on the Seattle Seahawks. Out of gratitude for me bringing him to Jesus... He gives me a Super Bowl ticket. So I'll talk about how I got this free ticket. Now, D, I I want you to imagine I walk up to the, you're the ticket taker at the, at the, at the, at the you know, the stadium. I want you to imagine I walk up to you. I, I'm going to change something. Let me see what I got here. What's your name, bud? Yeah. Angelo. Angelo. All right, Angelo, you're, you're the guy taking the ticket at the at the, at the stadium, okay? What's this. So I come walking up to you, and I say, hey, Angelo. Angelo. I really need you to let me into this stadium. I really need to let you in to see see this game. Let me tell you why. I'm a pastor. I've been married for 45 years. I've always paid my taxes. I'm a great guy. I'm wonderful looking. I'm very humble. (laughs) People love me. I'm on television all over the world. I've written books. And I just go on and on and on and on. And i tell you every reason why you all let me into that stadium, okay? You're going to ask me one question, Angelo. What's that question? Where's your ticket? I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter to me. You've got to have a ticket. D, to have a ticket, to go into get into heaven, you've got to have a ticket. On one side it says eternal life. On the other side it says forgiven. You ready for the best news, D? It's free. All you've got to do is accept it. So D says, never going to get a better deal than that. How do I accept it? D, there's a little prayer at the end of this. In fact, let me read this verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised from the dead. You will be saved. You see that, D? That's not what I say. That's not what the church says. That's what God says. God said, if you will confess. That word confess doesn't just mean to say it. It means you agree with it. You accept it. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. Not your head, your heart. God raised from the dead. You will be. What's that last word, D? Saved. See that? You'll be saved. You've got God's word on it. So, D, I want you to read this prayer. I want you to pretend you could read it, D, because I couldn't hear you. D, I want you to read this prayer out loud. Let's do it. Everybody do this right now. Everybody, we're going to pray this prayer out loud. We're going to say it. We're going to read this right now. Ready? One, two, three. Pray. I am a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin and now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and receive him into my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to control my life, and I thank you for giving me eternal life. So I just asked D, I, ask you, I just asked you to pray that prayer. You, pray that, you said read that prayer. D, does that express the desire of your heart? Is that what you'd like to do with your life? Yes, I'd love to do that. Well, D, let me, I'm going to do something. I'm going to pray for you right now, and I would pray, "Oh God, please open her heart." And then, D, I want you to pray with me. And here's what I would do: I probably might even just read that prayer in my own words. D, just pray this prayer with me. All right, you pray. You pray to receive Christ. Okay, and then I'd say this: D, are you saved? Yes. yes. Well, D, how do you know you're saved? Well, you wouldn't say, "Well, because I'm a good person, went to church." But you say, "Well." Because God said if I confess Him as my Lord and believe my heart, and I do that. Now, I said, D, you are what? And who says you're saved? God. Can He lie? He can't lie. Okay, so you're saved. All right, everybody got it? Not Anybody can do that. Here's my, you ready for this? If you can read, you can lead. If you can read, you can lead. You say, oh, come on, it's not that easy. That's what I did. I'm a PhD in evangelism. That's how I do it. You know what I just did with you? You just got free evangelism training. Didn't cost you a dime. So let me tell you what just happened to you. I tricked you. I'm going to admit, I trapped you. You cannot go out of here today. No believer can go out of here. You're watching right now. You cannot walk out of this church and say, well, I'll tell you why I don't tell people about Jesus. I don't know how. Yes, you do. I just showed you how. And so, by the way, when this service is over, we got tons of these things. I hope you'll pick them up on the way out. Now, having said that, I just wonder who in this room right now would say, you know what? I've never been saved. I've, I've never really done that. Can I tell you what you could do right now? We're just going to get quiet for a moment. Sitting in that chair right now, wherever you might be, if you would just say, One of your, some, of you, some of you kids right now might say, man, I've got to be honest. I I don't think I've ever really surrendered my life to Christ. I don't think I've ever really trusted Jesus as my Lord. I want to do that right now. Why don't you do it right now? Why don't you just in your heart right now, just in your own words? Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But I believe you died for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead. And I believe you're alive right now today I want my life to change I want to know I have eternal life I want to know I've been forgiven so right now sitting in this chair nobody even knows I'm doing this but right now sitting in this chair I'm asking you to come into my heart I'm asking you to become my Lord I'm asking you to become my Savior I'm asking you to save me right now and I want to thank you that you did Now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody, nobody looking around. This is easy. If you just prayed that prayer with me just then, and you meant it. Now, if you didn't mean it, forget it. But if you say right now, honestly, hey, Pastor, I I did that just now. I just prayed with you. I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. I did that. Right now, raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. I said, yep, right there, right there. Yep, 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 right there. Yep, I see that hand. Yep. Yep, yep. Keep them up real high, I wanna see them, yep. Got it, got it, okay, thank you. Several of you raised your hand. I'm gonna tell you in a moment what I'm gonna ask you to do. It's gonna be easy. Now, everybody look up here. So, what we're tempted to do is say, wow, that's it? So I guess I'm done. No, 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 we're just getting started. This is not the end of the Christian life. It's just the beginning. There's always a next step in the Christian life, always. I've got next steps. We all have next steps. The very first step that God wants you to take when you give your life to Christ. So if you raise your hand, listen to me over here. When you raise your hand, the very first thing God wants you to do is to follow him in baptism. That's the first step. That's the very first thing. Not the second, not the third, not the fourth. When you give your life to Christ and you really mean it, the very first thing he wants you to do is to be baptized. And I want you to turn your attention to the, to the uh, baptismal pool right now.
1: Good morning, church. My name is Austin. I'm one of the members of the staff here. And uh, I just have the privilege of introducing you this morning uh, to Miss Elroy Park. And uh, Elroy has come today to make a public profession of her faith. You can't see, she's standing on a stool. I told her that uh, to wait till I moved a stool because I think the water is about eye level and she said that she didn't wanna baptize herself. So she's uh, standing on a stool. Uh, But standing here with us today is Mr. Matthew Lee. Uh, Matthew is one of my close friends. He has grown tremendously in his faith in the last year or so. And part of him growing in his faith is uh, he became a small group teacher for our kids ministry. Became a first grade small group teacher and he has Elroy in his class. And Elroy requested today if Mr. Matthew could baptize her. So, Elroy was, ba- uh, was saved Christmas Eve of last year. Uh, she was very, very excited about it. She came running up to me and she wrote in her testimony, she said, I am so excited to be a messenger for Christ and to take the gospel to my first grade class. And so, it's, isn't that cool, church? It's just, <laughs> it's cool because it's not just becoming a disciple, it's becoming a disciple who goes out and makes other disciples. So Elroy, Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is your profession of faith? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen, amen. Well, Elroy, based on your profession of faith, your small group teacher, Mr. Matthew, baptizes you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to
0: walk in newness of life. Praise God. All right, now give me your undivided attention. I've been to Israel somewhere between 25 and 30 times. Every time I go, I always remember to take my bathing suit. He says, why do you do that? Well, it's not because I go swim in the Sea of Galilee or a lake or even a swimming pool. The reason I always take my bathing suit is because I know Almost every single person that goes on this trip wants to be baptized in the Jordan River. I I know that, and and I get it. Here's what we say, how do you know that? Because they get it. The Bible talks about baptism no less than 74 times. The very first act of Jesus's ministry was not to heal the sick, was not to raise the dead, wasn't even to preach a sermon or go to church the very first act of Jesus's ministry, he was what? He was baptized. The very first thing he did, right out of the chute, he was baptized. I'm gonna make something very easy for you to understand. Ready? If baptism is that important to the Word of God, and if baptism was that important to the Son of God, it ought to be that important to you. It ought to be that important to me. It ought to be that big of a deal. Now, in my experience, People usually ask four basic questions about baptism. We're gonna answer quickly today. Who or what, how, when, why, okay? What, how, when, why, all right? So what is the meaning of baptism? First question, what is the meaning? Now let me tell you why, that's the fundamental question. Once you answer the question, what does that mean? What did it really mean when that girl got up and we did it a certain way? What did it mean? What, what in the world, what was the, what was the symbol? Because once you answer that question, it's like the first domino. If you knock down the first domino the right way, all the other dominoes fall into place. So here we go. The word baptized, when you read the word baptized in your English Bible, it's not a translation, translation of a Greek word. It's actually a transliteration. You say, what's the difference? In the Greek, if, if it's a translation, you wouldn't recognize it in the Greek. you got to translate it into English. When it's a transliteration, they just took the Greek word and brought it over into English. So the Greek word for, for, for baptism is the word baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. All we did was take one letter out, the O, and put in an E. That's all we did. We just took the word one place to another. It means to immerse. It means to dunk. It means to put under. As a matter of fact, for a long period of time, the word baptism was used every day. It was never used in in a religious context. It was never used in a church. It was never used in religion. So, for example, women ladies baptized their dishes. When kids would play in the river and dunk each other, they would talk about baptizing each other. But then something changed. One day, a man named John shows up on the scene And he starts doing something nobody had ever seen before. He starts taking people who want to live for God and give their life to God. And he goes into a river and he begins to take people and he begins to put them under the water. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before. It was totally brand new. And John became so identified with that way of baptizing people, he became known as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. Now, We know that John baptized by immersion. You say, how do you know that? How do you know he didn't sprinkle? Because there's a Greek word for sprinkling. That word's never used for baptism. Well, how do you know he wasn't rinsed? No, there's a Greek word for rinsed. That word's never used for baptism. How do you know he didn't just pour water over somebody? There's a Greek word for pouring. All are different words. Those words are never one time used to describe baptism. The only word that's ever used is the word baptizo, and it literally means to immerse. So, everybody that was baptized in the New Testament was put under the water. Now, a lot of people raise the question, well, so what? Why does it matter? Why does it matter whether you're rinsed or they pour water, whatever? I mean, why do you have to be immersed? Why does the method matter? The reason why the method matters is because of what baptism pictures and what baptism means. So, when I ask you the question, hey, what was the picture that was just painted up there? What was the meaning of what she did? What was the message she was giving? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. This is not something the Baptist church came up with. It's not something any theologian came up with. It comes right out of God's Word. Here's what we read in the book of Romans. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, read that word out loud, death. We were therefore, what? Buried with him through what? Baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we don't have to wonder what baptism pictures. It's not up for debate, not up for discussion, doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what I think. Baptism, according to Paul said, pictures the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. So if you've ever wondered, why do they insist on people going under and coming up? It's because of what it pictures. Listen, you cannot separate the meaning of baptism from the method of baptism. I've told you this before. When you come in here to take the Lord's Supper, we do not take the Lord's Supper with a chili dog and a vanilla shake. I'm not being funny. We don't do it that way. You change the method, you change the meaning. So if I said to you, Well, I think you can be baptized by, by sprinkling, tell me what does sprinkling picture? Somebody tell me what does that picture? You know the only answer I've ever gotten? Well, that picture is being washed away from your sins. The Bible never says any liquid washes away your sins except the blood of Jesus. You can be baptized so many times, the tadpoles know your social security number. That's not going to wash away your sins. You change the method, you change the meaning. So, that's the method. That's the meaning, all right? Number two, and I meant to say this, not how, we need to change that next service. Who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? All right, that's a great question. Because it doesn't matter how you believe a person ought to be baptized, you still got to ask a bigger question. Well, who's a candidate for baptism? Who, I mean, who, who, who's eligible? Well, here's the good news again. We'd have to wonder. Because there's only one kind of baptism you'll find anywhere in the New Testament. You can describe it in two simple words. You ready? It is believer's baptism. That is the only kind of baptism you find in the New Testament. There are two things that always go together in the New Testament, always. Belief, baptism. Not birth and baptism. Belief and baptism. You never find one without the other. And by the way, they always go in that order in the New Testament. First belief, then baptism. If you were here last week, we talked about a deacon named Philip. How he met the, hey, God led him to this Ethiopian eunuch out in the middle of nowhere. And he shares the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch, just kind of like we did today. And this Ethiopian eunuch evidently prayed to give his life to Jesus Christ. And so, in the book of Acts chapter 8, we read now the rest of the story. As they traveled along the road, that is, after this man had heard the gospel, and like some of these people over here and over here, raised their hand. He said, yeah, I've given my life to Christ. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look. Now, this is what the eunuch said, not the pastor, not the preacher. This is what the guy said, the guy that got saved. Hey, here's water. What can stand in the way by being baptized? And then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Why did they go down into the water? If you, if you rinse, if you pour, if you sprinkle, you don't have to go down into the water. You can do that at the, at the edge. Why did they go out into the water? Because they were immersed. They went down into the water, and Philip immersed him. Philip baptized him the reason that people were baptized after they believed why was he in such a hurry well, What's the rush Ethiopian eunuch what do you what do you got to do it today for he said I want you to know and I want the world to know and I want to be able to tell everybody I have given my life to Jesus so people were baptized so they could display that they did believe that's why feel free to go search your Bible and come find me if you do You will never find any any instance of any infant ever being sprinkled or poured in the New Testament. Not one time. Everybody that got baptized in the New Testament, they were baptized by immersion after they believed. All right? Everybody got that? Third question. Well, when should we be baptized? Well, in the New Testament, it's amazing. Baptism was always done immediately after someone believed and received Jesus. Now, I could give you many, many examples. I just gave you one. But every baptism in the New Testament follows the same pattern. Every single one. So I'm going to kind of summarize everything I've just said in this really plain statement. There is no record of an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. You can't find one. There is no record of an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. There is no record of anyone refusing to be baptized. There is no record of anyone delaying their baptism. There is no record of anyone saying, I don't want to get my hair wet. There is no record of anyone saying, oh, I'm too embarrassed to do that in front of people. There's no record of anybody saying, well, I don't have to do that to go to heaven. There is no record of that whatsoever. The moment you believed in Jesus, the exact moment you believed in Jesus and you received Jesus, you Were baptized. Now, fourth question. And this is the biggest one of all. Okay, I get all that. But you still got to convince me. Why should I be baptized? I mean, you know, close the deal here. Because I'm going to let you on a secret. If you don't know this, you need to hear it. You do not have to be baptized to be saved. You do not have to be baptized to have a relationship with God. You do not have to be baptized to go to heaven. Now, there are churches that teach that. There are denominations that teach that. In fact, there are even denominations that teach if you're not baptized in our church, you're still not going to get in. We don't believe that. I don't, not, I don't even do not believe you have to be baptized in our church. You do not have to be baptized to be saved. say, okay, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Help me out. If baptism is not essential to salvation why should I be baptized we'll give you just a couple reasons one ought to be enough I'll give you just, the first one ought to be enough okay the first reason is Jesus commands it can I get anybody to agree that's all you need Jesus commands it end of story you know what the job description of our church is you know why we say we want to point people to Jesus and inspire them to live the cross-shaped life the cross-shaped life involves baptism You say, where did you get this idea? I didn't come up with it. Here's the job description of our church. Jesus said it. Go and make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? You give your life to Christ, you become a disciple. Step two, read this with me. What does that say? After you become a disciple, step one. What's step one? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, here's our problem. It would really, really be convenient if we just said, you know what? We're just not going to baptize people anymore. We're just not, I'm not going to bug you about it anymore. I'm tired of fighting the battle. You just wouldn't believe how many people give their life to Christ in this church. And then the FBI can't find them. It's amazing. Hey, we were just calling a follow-up about your baptism. Click. Hey, you know, you got saved three months ago. You want to be, well, I'm still thinking about it and praying about it. Sorry, there's some things you don't need to think about or pray about. I'm, I'm sorry. That, 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 that doesn't work. First thing, got to be baptized. And it would be so easy, I'll tell you, it would make my life so much easier. It'd make our staff. You know how, much, how hard we work to get people baptized? You wouldn't believe how hard we have to work to get people baptized in this church. And I wish I could just get them to so say, you know what? Forget it. I'm tired. Got other things to do. I get tired of talking to people. I get tired of leading people to Christ and never see them want to get in a pool of water. But here's the problem. Jesus commands the church to baptize believers. So if we quit trying to baptize you, I'm sinning against Jesus. And if you refuse to get baptized, you're sinning against Jesus. So we really have no choice. We'd be sinning. So we would be disobeying a direct order if we didn't try to get you baptized or you did not be willing. You are not willing to be baptized. Reason number one, Jesus commands it. Second reason, Jesus was baptized to set an example for us to follow. Let me ask you a question. I bet you never thought about this. Jesus was baptized. Everybody believes that, right? Why? Why was Jesus baptized? He didn't have to profess his faith. He's the one we believe in. He didn't have to join the church. He's the head of the church. So, why in the world was Jesus baptized? There could only be one reason. He was setting an example. He said, I want you to do what I just did. If you're going to follow me and I'm going to lead you, I want you to do exactly what I just did. So, if reason number one wasn't good enough, let's try reason number two. If it was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for you. Whatever Jesus did I can do, let me at it. Number two, he set an example. Third reason, baptism is the way we profess our faith in Jesus Christ. I wear a wedding band. Probably can't see it. It has a G on it, by the way. It's a red G. You know what that stands for? Everybody know what that stands for? Right, okay. I'm a believer. I'm a true believer. You know why I wear that wedding band? I don't have to wear that wedding band. I've been married 46 years next month. You know why? I don't wear that. I don't have to wear that to prove I'm married. Everybody that knows me knows. Teresa and I go together like love and marriage. Right? I mean, horse and carriage. We're, we're, we're like this. Why? I want people to know I'm a married man. I want people to know I belong to the greatest woman in the world. I want people to know I belong to the love of my life. I want people to know that I am not ashamed that I'm married, and I'm certainly not ashamed that I'm married to her. That's exactly what you do when you get baptized. You're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed he died for me. I'm not ashamed that he lives for me. I'm not ashamed he lives in me. I want everybody to know it. So, wrap it up. I want to talk to four groups of people. And I've pastored long enough to know whether you're willing to admit it or not, every one of you are in one of these four groups. There's somebody in this room right now, you're in one of these four groups, okay? Group number one, you've been saved, biblically baptized by immersion, after you were saved, okay? You don't need to be baptized, I am not talking to you. And that's where most of us are, you've been saved and you've been biblically baptized. Number two, You've never been saved. No matter whether you've been baptized or not, you have never been saved. If you've never been saved, I don't even want you to think about baptism right now. In fact, you don't need to be baptized yet. I don't I didn't want that on your radar screen. You need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to get ready. be baptized. Some of you already did that today because you raised your hand. You know who I'm talking to. You said, yeah, hey, that's me. I got saved. Okay, this is you. You've been saved. You've not been biblically baptized. Next step for you, be biblically baptized. Number three, you've been saved but never baptized. Well, I got sprinkled when I was a baby. I repeat, you've been saved but never baptized. Well, I got christened when I was, nope. You've been saved, but never baptized. Some of you just say, yeah, you're right. I've been saved. I've just never gotten baptized. So you're like the person, you got married, you just didn't put on the ring. For whatever the reason, you just didn't do it. You just haven't put on the ring. You need to honor the Lord who died for you by being baptized. Okay? That's you. But then there's a fourth group. Some of you are here. You got wet, but you were later saved. You got wet, you're later saved. There's some of you right now, and it's a struggle for you. And I know, I've, I've dealt with people like this all of my life. Some way, somehow, sometime back when you were a kid or you were younger, you got, quote, unquote, baptized. You got baptized the right way. That's the good news. The bad news is you got baptized at the wrong time for the wrong reason. Number one, you weren't saved. You really didn't know Christ. Your motive may have, been, may have been good. Well, I got saved because I, I got baptized. I knew that would please my mom and dad. I got baptized because everybody else in my group, youth group got baptized. I got baptized because I thought it was a cool thing to do. I got baptized because I didn't want to disappoint my mom and dad. Whatever. You got baptized. But you really didn't get biblically baptized. Because remember, what goes before baptism? If you're listening, what goes? Belief. You have never been biblically baptized. You just got wet. You know what you need to do? You need to follow Christ in baptism, so all this to wrap up. I do not believe you have to be baptized to be saved, but I will say this, and I'll just give you my own quick testimony. You've heard it a million times. I'm not going to go through it. I got saved as a nine-year-old in a movie theater on a Friday night. From the time I walked out of that theater, we got into the car. I never told this part of the story. After my mom was convinced I had really given my life to Christ in that theater, we got in the car, she cranked the car, and I looked at my mother, and this is exactly what I said. Mom, when can I get baptized? Nobody had to beg me. Nobody had to pay me. Nobody had to keep calling me on the phone or shoot me an email or anything like that. I wanted to be baptized. I wanted everybody to know. James Gregory Merritt has given his life to Jesus. I wanted to do exactly what Jesus did. And oh, by the way, I figured out as a nine-year-old boy, if you love me enough to die for me, surely I ought to love you enough to get into a pool of water for you. And I'm telling you, it was one of the, I can still remember how cold that water was. We didn't have a heater. But I still remember it to this day. It's one of the greatest days of my life. So baptism is all about going under. But it's not about staying under. It's coming up to live for Christ forever. Here's the point. We've got the water. That's not an issue. What is hindering you from being baptized today? Now, I told you that the Christian life's all about next steps. Let's talk about that quickly. Some of you maybe walked in here today and you go, man, you know, I I went through that little booklet and..." I, 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 was, I, I don't believe I was saved when I walked in. But maybe you prayed with me a while ago and you asked Jesus to come into your heart or you still would like to do that. That's your next step. There are some of you that raised your hand a moment ago. I saw you. And you say, hey, I, I did what you asked. I, I got saved and I, I gave my life to Christ. Today I was, I was saved. Your next step now is to present yourself for Baptism. Or maybe there's some of you here and you'd say, you know, I've been saved. I didn't need to do that. I did it a long time ago, but I've never been biblically baptized. That's your next step. Or, you know, Pastor, looking back at it, I didn't know what I was doing. I did it for the wrong reason. You know, I've never been biblically baptized. The church I passed before I came here, One of the finest men I've ever known was a 76-year-old deacon, 76 years old. He came to me one day after church on Sunday. I'll never forget, his name was Tom. Tom came up to me one day after church, after the invitation was over. He starts weeping right in front of me. I didn't know what was wrong. And I said, Tom, what's the matter? I mean, I'm telling one of the best men I've ever known in my life. He said, Pastor, I've been fighting this for 40 years and I'm sick of it. What do you mean? He said, I got baptized when I was 10 years old But I didn't get saved until I was a 21-year-old soldier in the army. I need to be biblically baptized. You know, I'll never forget what I told him. I said, Tom, if you ever thought you weren't saved, buddy, I know you are now. Because that's from the Holy Spirit in your heart. So that's you. You may even say, I've been saved, pastor, and I've been baptized. But I'm not a member of this church. I come, but I'm not here. I'm not serving. You know what your next step is? Your next step is to join this church. So let me tell you what we're going to do in just a moment and we're gonna find out who means business today. Let me start with the people that raised their hands, and there were several of you over here, over here, you raise your hand. You said, hey, I prayed to give my life to Jesus. Well, we're gonna find out whether you meant it or not. And we're gonna make this easy. In a moment, we're gonna stand, we're gonna to begin to sing. If you prayed today to receive Christ, and you know you need to present yourself for baptism, I'm gonna ask you to do something. If you came in here and you're already saved, but you've never been biblically baptized, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're not even sure whether you're saved or not, but you want to make sure you are, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you got wet when you were younger, but you know you weren't saved and you need to be biblically baptized, I'm going to ask you to do something. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Super easy. When we stand to our feet, we begin to sing. I'm going to ask, if you, whatever group of people you are, you want to join the church. Whatever group you're in, we stand to our feet. We've got people in the back, right in the back of the, of the worship center. I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your seat and just go to the back. And all you're gonna do is tell them what decision you're gonna make. Hey, I I prayed and gave my life to Christ today and I, I need to, to to present myself for baptism. I've been saved a long time ago, but I've never been biblically baptized. I need to do that. You know, I, I got wet when I was a kid, but whatever I've never been baptized I need to be biblically baptized or I want to join the church today whatever we stand our feet I'm going to ask you to go to the back I'm going to say this one time if Jesus could walk to a cross carrying that cross on his back and die for you you can walk to the back of a room and get things ready to stand for him now here's the good thing if today you'd say i'd like to be baptized today we can make that happen that's why we're doing the service the way we're doing it if you'll go back there and you'll say you know i'd like to be biblically baptized can i do that today listen to me we got clothes we've got towels we got hair dryers we got everything you don't need to do anything we can baptize you today we can do it at the end of the service now here's what's going to be really important i don't say this often and i can't make you do what i'm going to ask you to do i'm going to ask you to do it out of respect for others and for the gospel and for the lord do not leave when we stand to sing. We have backloaded our worship time, our singing time to this time. So when I ask you to stand, here's what I want you to do. We're going to stand to our feet. You begin to pray right now for the people around you. You may be sitting behind somebody, in front of somebody, with somebody. They need to make a decision. They need to, they need to be baptized. They need to be saved. They need to join this church. I'm going to ask you to pray for them. For those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to ask you, don't think about, well, what, what will some what will they think if I walk back there? Number one, they'll be happy that you walk back there. Number two, God will be honored. That's all you need to worry about. So whatever decision you need to make, we've got people in the back. They'll be waiting on you. We're going to stand to sing. So let's stand to sing. Right now, as you stand, you begin to make your way to the back. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, right now, that a buddy. That's my boy right there. That's my boy. You go back to the back right now and make your decision for
1: Christ. Then Jesus' blood.